Welcome to another edition of the Raven Narratives. I'm Sarah Severson. And my name is Tom Yoder. We are the co-producers of the Raven Narratives, as you may already know. Co-producing. That's right. Very fun. Co. We put the co in co. I enjoy it. I enjoy producing with you. Yes. It's very fun. Likewise. <laughs> uh, we're talking about stories that we were told at the March Raven Narratives event when the theme that night was trust. The story you are about to hear was told by Michael McMillan. Michael is a grateful spirit who enjoys being alive. He is a brother, uncle, friend, teacher, and student, always seeking to become a more powerful listener, which is an awesome thing to strive for. Yeah, that guy for, really so. lives it, by the way. Yeah. He's a, he really lives He's a listener. young guy. and I mean, the whole package. He's the whole package. Yep. In his spare time, Michael loves playing outside, being with friends, traveling, listening to, and playing music. Here is Michael's story. Trust cannot exist without love. The trust that I put in my longboard as I'm barreling 30 miles an hour down a steep slope, the trust to push that the gravity will push back. The trust to let go, that the gravity will push me and keep me there on my board. The love that puts me there, I, I, that love keeps me grounded in, in the trust that everything's gonna be okay. My brothers taught me how to longboard and they taught me to be fearless and not let go. So on a bright, warm, sunny day, I went barreling 30 miles an hour down a hill, pushing and letting go and pushing and letting go. And eventually, bouncing around, having a good time, walking to the front, walking to the back, enjoying myself. When I see, out of the corner of my eye, an SUV coming at 40 miles an hour, I turn and I look, there's a grassy patch over there. What do I do, what do I do? And I look and, oh, I'm gonna jump on the grassy patch. No, I can't, oh, should I go straight? Should I go straight? Maybe I'll miss it. Shit, and then I turn to go with the SUV. How did I get there? Let me take you back to the beginning. (laughs) So one of my first memories is of my brothers standing up for me. I was about four years old, big fat belly, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I went out into the cul-de-sac to uh, play with the neighbors, and uh, the neighbors had tons of kids. Uh, There was uh, at least seven, there was always more appearing, we never really knew how many there were. Uh, But we we went out to play, and and that's just what we did, you know? And um, one of the the kids, a girl who's a couple of years older than me and a lot bigger, started to push me around and pick on me. And here comes my older brother, Mark, and he stands in between her and I. And I looked up to him and I said, who, who is this guy? Both of my brothers have red hair. They don't look anything like me. Uh, the way I always joke that I was, uh, I was the milkman, milkman's kid. But um, <laughs> here's Mark standing strong in front of a little girl to his size. But <laughs> to me, he's huge. And here comes her older brother, says, what are you doing to my little sister? And punches him right in the nose and blood starts running down his nose and the kid goes oh my god i'm so sorry and mark wipes his nose looks at the blood and punches him right back in the nose 
And then they stood and walked away and we went home. <laughs> and that's one of my first memories of my brother standing up for me and looking out for me. Um, and so I put this deep trust in them that they would always show me the way. Um, and uh, so my identity is, is really deeply rooted in, in being a brother and having brothers. And eventually we moved to Colorado and made the big move. That was a hard transition for us. Um, with my mom and dad being separated and um, we, I really depended on my brothers there to look out for me. Um, Matt, who's eight years older than me, um, we would develop this trust with each other over years and years of sifting through Legos, of making fun of mom and dad, of making parodies in church. Um, we didn't know who ex-Chelsea was, but we always thought she had a nice deo. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but there came a time when I realized that, hmm, maybe I shouldn't trust my brothers as much. And this was a big day for Mark when he was invited to a girl's birthday party. So he got all dressed up, he was looking spiffy, he was ready because they were going in a limousine. And he had never been in a limousine before. So as he walked outside proud, all dressed up in his suit, Matt and I stood in the window and Matt looks at me smiling. And I looked up at him and was like, what is this crazy kid gonna do? And so he walks out, pulls down his pants and starts smacking his butt <laughs> at every, every girl in the limousine and they're screaming, the parents are just, horrified and I was just like this is awesome so I run up and start doing it too and then our mom comes out and she's like no and she pulls us back in so <laughs> that's when I realized oh shit maybe I shouldn't follow Matt to the very end here and so <laughs> Mark was soon to follow um, <laughs> now about Mark he is this fiery ball of just raw, creative energy. He just has this oh, just life, you know? And um, he's an incredible creative guitarist and writer and someone I very much look up to and always is, uh, is just gripping at that, that struggle of what is life? And um, he, uh, he was a rebel, you know? He skated all the time and I thought it was so cool to do that. He taught me to longboard. And anyways, one day we were at, he was up at middle, uh, the middle school and skating around with his friends and um, some kids started shooting hockey pucks at him. And Mark doesn't take shit from anybody. So he went up, pushed this kid up against the wall, but it's not like Albuquerque anymore. This is like 1999. So <laughs> can't just get into a fight in the schoolyard anymore. Turns out this kid is the sheriff's son. I come home from school that day, and Mark's sitting there with two cops, and I'm like, what the heck happened? And um, there's my dad, you know, he's got his lecture fist out, the cobra we would call. Um, you always have to pretend to take him seriously with the lecture fist. So, Mark, they will come in the middle of the night and lock you up in jail, and Mark's just... He was 13 years old, and this was, um, I think, the beginning of a series of unfortunate events for Eric. Um, he really started a spiral. The list goes on and on. He was in Boy Scouts. He 
failed to achieve the rank of life scout. Devastating. Um, he, he got kicked off the lacrosse team when he was caught smoking weed with his friends. Then his girlfriend dumped him. Rough time for Mark in his life. Lots of self-loathing, the struggle. And he soon chased his girlfriend to college after that. My parents slowly figured out, not so slowly, but they figured out he just went there to party and chase girls, took him out of college. Another very unfortunate event for Mark in his life. But he kept hearing these stories about himself. You're a bad kid. You're a bad influence on the other kids here. You're a bad role model for your brother. And I think Mark, trusting these, uh, these adults, you know, who are supposed to know, he started to believe those stories about himself and believe that he was really a bad person. And that creative, raw energy just started to get covered and covered with, with these stories that, that, you know, mistakes that he made, but it was just, it wasn't really who he was. And, and I could still see that in him, and I, I really wanted that. I wanted to believe that he was that older brother that stood up for me that, that day in one of my first memories. Um, so as I was getting older, you know, I would I'd reach out to Mark and want to pull that out of him, want to pull that energy out of him. And um, we would go out and hang out, and it would spiral into just a, a pit of self-loathing and drinking and, um, and spewing just just useless verbs out into airspace. And night after night, this would happen. And I just lost so much trust in Mark. And I, I, couldn't, I couldn't be around him. And um, one night, it all came crashing down when uh, we went to a party together. And it was 3 in the morning. And um, I had had enough. I was, I was Mark, I'm going to go home. Let's go home. And no, no, no. No, we're not going to go. Uh, I said, Mark, I'm, I'm leaving. Uh, I, I just, I'm exhausted. I'll see you in the morning. And I go home and fall asleep. Next thing I remember, I get a call at four in the morning from his best friend, Aaron. Mike, your brother's in the hospital. And I'm just like, my heart sinks. I'm like, what, God, what could have happened? Is he okay? And um, he said, no, he's not okay. His friend, punched his teeth, he lost all his teeth, and um, had to have surgery immediately. And I went right to the hospital. I was just, thank God he's alive. I didn't know what, what happened, but um, I remember driving home. I think he was grateful that the, our parents didn't pick him up, but um, we just, I just told him, Mark, you can't keep doing this, because one, one, it's never just one drink, you know? Um, I think anybody that, has you know struggled with addiction or alcoholism or has family member understands that and um, and he said I'm sorry I'm sorry you know and um, and communicating that was like the it's like one of the deepest bonds that I have with anyone you know um, but I, I told him I can't be near you anymore Mark and I I just need space I hope you understand I love you you're my brother. I'll always be here if you really need anything, but I just, I need some space. And soon thereafter, I, I went to, you know, release my head, um, just real, trying, you know, get things, uh, get things off my mind. And I do that by engaging in 
the art of longboarding and pushing and letting go. And there I was, 30 miles down the hill, 30 miles an hour down this hill. And I see that SUV coming, shit, what do I do? Like it's in the grass, shit. Oh, I turn to go at the SUV. I thought I was dead. And the next thing I remember, there's a beautiful woman standing above me, an angel. Then I knew I was dead. <laughs> then I said, shit, I'm not dead. God, I'm in so much pain. <laughs> but then I realized, thank God I didn't break my back. I can feel pain. <laughs> so I was rushed off uh, in an ambulance to a hospital and I passed out from the pain. Uh, they did all sorts of scans on me, found I fractured, uh, fractured my pelvis in three places. And um, I woke up and my mom and my brother were there. And I just saw the tears coming down Mark's eyes. And um, he was just so thankful that I was alive. And that hit him really hard in, in the core. And um, just how fragile life is and how grateful, um, how grateful we are to just, you know, have 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 each other in in, in our lives and um, and he took care of me and my mom and helped me walk again um, and I'm really grateful to be able to walk on the stage and and, and jump around and, and have a brother that that we are always pushing and letting go pushing and letting go and it's a, it's a constant constant process but that trust that trust can be broken but it can always be rebuilt when there's love thank you Thank you, Michael, so much for sharing that story with us. If you think you'd like to pitch your own story or hear more about Raven Narratives in general, you can check out our website at ravennarratives.org. Also, make sure you subscribe to this here podcast on iTunes, (laughs) Stitcher, or SoundCloud, (laughs) y'all. You can make comments too, right? Yeah, and also share them with your friends. Oh, heck yeah. You know, these are stories worth sharing. Definitely. Definitely. Be a friend, share a story. Uh, There's also a great photo gallery on our website, ravennarratives.org. We can thank McCarson Jones of Red Scarf Shots Photography for doing this amazing black and white portraiture that really captures the essence of each of the storytellers. So check that out at our website as well. These are beautiful people telling stories. You want to look at them. They are. Trust me. They are all, every one of them. (laughs) Humanity at its best. That's right. The Raven Narratives is a production of KSJD Community Radio in Cortez, Colorado. Find out more at ksjd.org. Or feel free to drop by if you're in southwest Colorado in Cortez. Tom loves it when people just come on into the studio, (laughs) especially if he's on air at the time. As long as you have a story to share. Yeah. Then then it's okay. You'll have to tell a story. (laughs) 